get to school and home every single day. It's costing us $115 a week. I've had to turn down jobs that are in uh, like Simi Valley and stuff like that just because I can't afford the gas money. Well, when is it going to end? You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just like a lot to take in, but you got to you got to get it. That's the thing. Ah, uh, question of the day, the week, the month, the year. When's it going to end? And energy security worry is driving a lot of the thoughts now about, oh, we need more drilling of gas. We need more drilling of this. We need to go back to coal. No, we don't. We absolutely don't. And we have to prevent a false narrative from entering into this or, again, uh, pun intended, we are cooked. And women are not only faced with a baby formula shortage, but now tampons are in short supply across the U.S. Reports of shortages in feminine hygiene products have been circulating. Tampons especially have become difficult to find. The brand missing the most on store shelves is Tampax. Its maker, Procter & Gamble, released a statement acknowledging that some consumers may be currently be unable to find what they need. And we announced yesterday that as a result of the work that we only started a year ago, we've already raised $3.2 billion, which is about investing in these countries that are our neighbors as the United States, because we are also a member of the Western Hemisphere. In the closing arguments, the DEP lawyer said, called your testimony the performance of a lifetime and said you were acting. What do you say to that? Says the lawyer for the man who convinced the world he had scissors for fingers? Look, I believe in bipartisanship, but I have no illusions about this Republican Party, the MAGA Party. I've been able to bring some Republicans along on parts of my plan, but the fact is Republicans in Congress are still in the grip of the ultra-MAGA agenda. Welcome back, everybody, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 88 here on Thursday, June 16th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-hostess, Mike McKenna. 88, Alan Page's number, Notre Dame grad, judge, NFL Hall of Famer. Yeah. Nothing going on this week again, right? No no, no, no more shortages of feminine products. Oh, and, yeah, boy. Yeah. Um, it 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 convincing the world that you have scissors for hands. <laughs> it's been a weird. No, look, listen, Amber. Let me give you some advice. Stop, stop doing interviews. Man. Just stop. Go away it's for a couple of months. Working. Go away it's for a couple of months. Working. Be happy. Uh, okay. Um, any announcements today, sir? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to a new listener, Clay. Um, from one of our favorite states that I, he asked me not to mention because he figured people would put it all together too quick. So, um, so Clay, um, welcome and and good luck hanging on for this ride. You're probably gonna <laughs> you're probably gonna call me right afterwards. I found out uh, our friend Jeff listens to the Unregulated podcast. He, he told me at lunch on Monday. Everybody listens. I to had this no thing. idea. Everybody it's listens. Great. Uh, so we, we should probably we take a, this more seriously. An, an announcement: We have a new intern for the summer. His name is Thomas Wakeman, and he doesn't know it yet, but he's going to be a listener to the Unregulated <laughs> Podcast. So I thought I'd throw his name out there so he he can feel a little bit famous. It Thomas, makes perfect. Welcome sense. to the team. We look forward to your contributions here. And I do have another announcement. Yes, one of our 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 own is leaving us. Who's leaving? Jordan. Jordan's off to the Manhattan Institute. Jordan who? Jordan McGillis. How could you tell? <laughs> Jordan, we, we are going to miss you. 
uh, but I'm sure well. we'll be we'll be enjoying well. your your good work there. No, Father's Day, not. anything happening for you, sir? No, yeah, I'm going to continue to be a father. Good and grandfather. How about you? Uh, well, I I <laughs> ordered my gift from my family already. Uh, it's coming tomorrow. Some it is kind a of barbecue device, mesquite smoked <laughs> peppered beef of tenderloin, of course, from our friends at Perini Ranch, who are not paying me for this, but uh, I thought but I'd plug be. them anyway because it's be. absolutely delicious. I'm not a big fan. Comes cooked already. All you gotta do is bring it to room temperature and slice that baby. I'm assuming I'm going to do what I do every weekend: chores around the house and watch the Yankees games. Yeah, I'm also so, going to be carrying a canopy for our Corpus Christi procession on Sunday for our, our local nice. neighborhood church. So. I'm not important enough to do that kind of thing. That's I, this is my third year. Straight, I know you're. So. I get it. You're 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 a I'm, mocker I'm, I'm there. A, I'm a you're big, a man. Big, big guy yeah, over there at St. Bernadette's. That guy. All right. Um, this day in history, I got two quick ones for you. I'm sorry. What day is today again? Today is June 16th, and in 1884, this happened. The Gunfight at 1884, the, June 16th. Uh, Michael J. Fox got You're that train up to 88 no, miles an hour. I don't guess. know. The first roller coaster in America opened. Really? Coney Island. Coney Island. Coney Island, sure. That's right. And it traveled approximately six miles an hour and cost five cents to ride. I think I've ridden that roller coaster. On the same kid. one? Probably. <laughs> Probably. So, uh, and, and Coney Island, by the way, uh, just exploded there for a while. It's like the most popular hangout. Like when? the Coney Dog, the invent, the invent. Supposedly, the hot dog was invented in the Coney, Coney Island. Island. Sure, it was. That's yeah, correct. it definitely was. So, all but, right. One but, more. Nineteen oh three. One. Nineteen oh three. June sixteenth. Mm, nothing's coming. Henry in. Ford and eleven other men incorporated what is now known as the Ford Motor Company. Really. Yes, sir. And a month later, the first Ford was assembled at a plant on Mack Avenue in Detroit. I'm, um, I'm a little surprised that I don't know that. You think the Ford Motor Company would do a better job of advertising that? I would if I was them. Of course, the Model T didn't come along until 1908. But within 10 years of that, nearly half the cars in America were Model Ts. Were Model Ts. Yeah, man. Most important. How most far important. they're falling. Most important. How far are they well, now, they're going to argue that the Mach E. Did you hear about them? <laughs> there was a there was an issue with the Mach E. I think there was a recall. I have to go go back and look at my notes. Oh boy! <laughs> so, the these, the Mustang Mach E or whatever it's called. These boys. I'm not. Yeah. You know, is that that SUV that they're calling a Mustang? Yeah, that's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. I, I don't get me started on that. Ford. You should be ashamed of that Mustang nameplate thing. It's embarrassing. Mustang's a Mustang. It's not an SUV. So I guess there was some issue with the Mach-E. Um, they halted deliveries over a safety defect that could have impacted nearly 49,000 vehicles. So I didn't How know many they, did they, they sell? I didn't know they sold that many. I bet you, it's, I bet you they got those are orders, not sales. <laughs> you, know they, you know they own a chunk of Rivian, too? I didn't know that. Yeah, this is what they're doing, by the way. They're, they're splitting these, make, creating these new companies so that the has anybody gone tax to... credit like starts yeah over, yeah start right? yeah yeah well I mean the Chinese did that with Volvo and Geely did um has anybody gone to jail on this Rivian thing yet I I'm not sure I don't think so I don't think so either okay um we haven't done this in a few weeks let's do a little by the numbers shall we sure 
All right. The first number, this <laughs> number. is a little segment we call By the Numbers. I throw out a number and stump the consultant. The, <laughs> Mike tries to guess what it is. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go easy Thank first. You. I'm going to go easy first. 8.6. 8.6. 8. 8. The, the um, Richter scale earthquake happened somewhere. I don't know. 8.6 what? 8. Oh, 6. oh, inflation. Yes, inflation. Sir. inflation. Yeah, I'm sorry. Year over year, 8.6, it went up. It was supposed to go down, and it went up, and I don't everyone believe, is I don't freaking be, out. I don't believe that's a legitimate number. I think the it's number's high, higher. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's sure, absolutely higher. Okay, but this is what one of Joe Biden's advisors told Americans that they should uh, should put into perspective yeah. with respect to this number. If you have a 401k out there or if you're a retiree on a fixed income, it's pretty rocky right now, given what we're seeing with the inflation eating into your returns, uh, as well as the markets down. What do you tell those people? Look, the president is is deeply sympathetic to that. His uh, number one priority right now is tackling inflation. He's made that clear for for several weeks, several months uh, for now. But I think what we need to take a step back and look at is that uh, American households as a whole are doing very, very well. If you look at where we came, we were before the pandemic and where we just God <laughs> almighty. It's like, where do these people get their talking points? Who Who's churning these talking points out you for can, these guys? Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? <laughs> it's just amazing. Everything's it's going great. Pay no amazing. attention, folks. Afghanistan was a success. Inflation's been great. Yeah. And then uh, here, there's this doozy from CNN. Uh, this, this is pretty funny. Hold on. Put the, this inflation in, in context. How bad is the surge in prices? I'm, it's awful. I mean, it's awful. And how people feel about it is even worse. You know, you look at the consumer sentiment right now, and what do you see? This is the worst consumer sentiment ever measured by the University of Michigan, going all the way back since 1952. Wow. You basically, even if you double my age, that doesn't get you back to 1952. And while I'm young, I'm not that young, right? Uh, The second worst, 1980. The third worst, 1980. I don't have to remind you, inflation got Jimmy Carter. It killed that presidency. And in terms of why are consumers feeling this bad? Well, it's pretty clear why they're feeling this bad. And that is because the Consumer Price Index is the worst it's ever been in a midterm cycle since 74. It's the worst it's been in any uh, presidential cycle or midterm cycle since 1980. So it's not much of a surprise. You can see it. It's literally off the charts on the tape. Yeah, so. Yeah, I was. It's going really well here in the country. I was surprised about the Michigan number, and I'll tell you what I was surprised about. Um, First off, I was surprised by the number itself, right? Um, the, The 52 on the index, but nobody picked it up. Nobody picked it up. I mean, it's a it's a big number out there in, in the business world, in the economic world, and nobody in the media picked it up. I mean, it, it was kind of surprising. It, it wasn't just that it's the lowest number ever. It's that the, the median, they had a bunch, you know, they always, they always, a couple of reporters always do this, right? They had a median assessment from economists of what to expect. And they were like, ah, it's going to be like 68, right? Not a great number. Like 68, 52. Right. It wasn't just that it was it was like a great big giant drop off the roller coaster to keep our theme. Yes, the yeah. I actually want to play one more on this from Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary, who uh, gave Biden some advice. The pricing of oil is obscuring everything that you're talking about. How, how do you resolve the challenge we have right now in the price of oil? That's 
the, the economy, the market, they're not, it's not going to be able to recover unless we see some relief and relief that we can believe is a long-term solution for oil. Here's how you fix that problem. It was a policy mistake by Biden when he came in. You reverse the mistake. All you have to do is jawbone. The oil market's a futures market. Just announced you're going to license three new refineries on the East Coast. Also announced we're going to re-examine the, the, the XL pipeline. We're going to give back the leases in Anwar. We're going to give more carbon direction to understand what the costs are. All of those policy mistakes could be reversed by just getting up and jawboning it. You could take oil down below 100 bucks if you got more accommodative towards the future production. Yeah. Now, Biden may not do that. That's on him. And he'll pay I, a deal I was going to say, I have a bridge. Yeah, that's nonsense. I mean, I, I like Mr. Wonderful, and I may be working for him in the not-too-distant future, but... Um, Why would you be working for him? Because he wants to be more involved in D.C. Um, oh, okay. Long story short is... That okay, but... Okay, before you rip it... I'm not going to rip the, it. I'm just going to say it's nonsense. He is right in that not right it is a responsive... The market is responsive, right? We've been talking for weeks about what what, what yeah. is driving the financial discipline that the industry has yeah, but, has put in, but, you know but the market, which is an anomaly but the market the market clearly can delineate conversation from action and sure. and none of those actions that he listed off we're going to do anything i'm going to license three refineries yeah well, who the hell's going to build three right? refineries you for you yeah. you know so. it it the long and the short of it is and i preach this every time this thing comes up it took us four or five years to get into this ditch. It's going to take us two or three to get out. And and you know what? I'll say this again this week. There's still inflows to oil and gas, investment inflows, essentially flat. Until those numbers go up, I'm not going to have any kind of solution to problem. Matter, well, but of course the uh, – No matter what, Biden Mr. administration. Uh, yeah, they have an answer. <laughs> this June 15th, Axios. President Biden warned CEOs of the nation's largest oil companies that he's considering evoking, invoking emergency powers to boost U.S. refinery output. Yeah, I don't even understand what the <laughs> hell any of that is. I, okay. I just, but, but I want to tell you, I'm not going to play the clip. A reporter, no, a reporter yesterday asked the press secretary. Yeah, what's the, the emergency? She said. He said, uh, President Biden said that he understood that many factors contributed to the business decisions to reduce refinery capacity, which occurred before I took office. And her was, uh, and, and so what are those things that he can do? What are, and she literally repeated, yeah, literally repeated what Biden had wrote and what the reporter had read verbatim as her response it, to the question. So, well, you want that, you want that detour now or, or later? They got John Kirby up 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 um today on yeah, the podium, it'll a, right? It'll be a matter of time before yeah, she's replaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, we we asked last week, like, how can yeah. you replace the press secretary? Yeah. Just that it's just one's going to well, phase plus in. Plus, she had a thirteen-minute uh, uh, press conference a couple of few days ago. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. So. One's going to phase in, and one's going right. to phase out. And my guess is, he, John will always be the deputy, and she will always be the press secretary. But I think she's probably heading towards the end of the on camera. So, uh, you know, this this latest sort of optics from President Biden is the letter, the letter the, to the, the, the stern letter to the heads of 
Exxon Mobil, Chevron, BP, Shell, Phillips, Marathon, Valero. <laughs> our friend, <laughs> our friend Jim Lucier, in his write up of it, just <laughs> you know when Jim gets testy, it's funny because he, he in his write up was titled um, "President Biden Discovers the Crack Spread." <laughs> <laughs> Of course, Secretary Jenny said that they're going to convene an emergency meeting on this topic. Oh, my God, in heaven above. Because of the Putin price hike. It, so. it, why, well, then why then are they going to convene an emergency meeting? What did, what Ladies did, and gentlemen, in the right either answer. the Democrats do not know anything about the energy industry or they are lying to you. In either instance, you are not going to get any relief yeah. from the increase at the pump, which, by the way, leads to our next. You will, you will get increase. You will get some relief when demand get, starts to get destroyed during a recession. You'll get relief, but until then, yeah. yeah. Well, then you'll be saddled with a whole another uh, can of you know well, problems. In so- all fairness, can I just say one thing real quick? Exxon and our friends at AFPM um, gave the president a bunch of very helpful advice on what he could do to moderate prices. Um, yeah, I actually did see that letter from Exxon. Yeah. yeah. Well, AFPM had the same, had, yeah. you know, had similar lines of suggestions. Right. All great stuff. I'm willing to bet you any number you want that none of it's going to happen in this administration, certainly not in any kind of timely fashion. Well, we just just so you're aware, Joe Biden does feel feel for you. This was his uh, at his AFL-CIO Inflation, it's sapping the strength of a lot of families. I grew up in a household. Oh, no. Not far from here, Claymont and Wilmington, where the price of a gallon of gasoline went up was a conversation at dinner table. It mattered. It mattered to my working family. It mattered. The price of food went up. (laughs) Now, first of all, today he's not from Scranton. He's from okay. Claymont. He's from That's Claymont. That's the first, the first thing. Secondly, uh, this has been researched already several times. In the entire entirety of Joe Biden's childhood, the price of gas was essentially flat. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just. It, it was flat. Of course, it was flat because because the Texas Railroad Commission ran the prices until the late late sixties, and they kept it flat. And and good on them. I'm just getting tired of all of this leveraging your own personal life for whatever well, point you want to make. And he's the like the worst dad. It, was, not only is he the worst dad, it's all he ever does. I know. It's all he ever and does. And it's never the truth. It's never the you truth. Know, I'm okay with it not being the truth. It was like interesting or funny or something, but it's not anything. Yeah. It's just polemical and propaganda. You know what it is? I've come to this conclusion about my life. I'm just sick of propaganda all the time. It's like a never-ending stream of it, yeah. and he's like the worst. Okay, um, I take it back. Jenny Granholm might be the worst. This uh, this is a corollary to the to the um, six point eight, but five, five. Oh, we're still on numbers. Five. Yeah, we're still on numbers. Uh, the the I have no idea. The price of gas exceeded five dollars. Oh, five bucks! Yeah, you should have given me dollars there ever, ever, ever. Yeah, the retail price, right? Re- yep. Yeah. Of of regular. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. In every state, too, by the way. I think it's above five bucks yeah, in every state. Yeah, national average. That's, that's the well, number we're But it's national at. average. I think it's above every, above five bucks now in every state, too. Okay, here's another five. Which, this one which is... by the way, which, by the way, everybody just, like, glides over that. Like, yeah, it's hey, just one of those things. It is not one of those things. Uh, it is remediable by action. You know, it is not like death and taxes. You could fix it if you wanted to fix it. Sorry, yeah. I digress. No, you're good. You're good. I just wanted to. Uh, yes, you wanted to move on with to another five. This one is five percent. Five percent. I have no idea. This is the amount that the amount Elon of, Musk will be raising. The amount of credit I'm going cr- to get the for the cost this. of the Model Y. Five percent. Yeah, to sixty-five thousand nine hundred ninety wow. from sixty-two nine. Sixty-two thousand nine hundred and ninety. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it. This is from the Financial Post, June sixteen. Yeah. Tesla again raised prices for all its car models in the U.S. in response to persistent global supply chain problems and soaring raw material costs. That's not why they raised the price. They raised the price because they could raise the price. It's. <laughs> Whoever wrote that headline or, or lead needs a little work on their economics, right? You raise the price because you can. Um, but it, within the article, since we brought it up, rival Rivian Automotive have, has also raised prices by more than $10,000 for new orders of its base model. The truck? So. Do they have any sales? <laughs> Do they sell anything? Does anybody has anybody seen one of okay. these trucks driving around? So that was from the financial. Do post. me a favor if you've seen one of these trucks, send an email to us so we can like figure it out. What what's our email address again? Unregulated at energydc.org. Uh, so so send we us keep pictures hearing, if you see these things in a while. We keep hearing about how we're moving to EVs. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> I got one here from Secretary Jenny. You filled up your EV by charging and you filled up your gas tank with gasoline and you have the same size tank, you would save $60 per fill up by going electric rather than using gasoline. So it's very compelling case. But again, to your point, we want to bring down the price at the point of purchase. Okay. So, so you're just going to keep doing so this. Aren't gonna, so what is the 5% increase? Ten percent in rent. Just do the math. You're better at math yeah, than yeah. me. Just do the math on ten thousand bucks. How many sixty dollar Phillips is that? No fewer. No fewer than one hundred and sixty. <laughs> so just for the increase. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. And by I, the way, I got that number wrong. No fewer than sixteen hundred tanks. 1600? Tanks. No. Hundred sixty tanks, tanks, tanks of tanks of charges. What? What, uh, are, we, what are we just, doing here? Just with the give conflation? up. Give. give what, so. You're trying to. She's from Canada, man. They got the metric system up and there. And of course, uh, we already heard uh, our good friend Special K, Climate Czar uh, Kerry, in um, in the in the opening segment. But uh, I want to play one more from him at at his now uh, <laughs> again uh, laughable remarks about energy. President Biden has made a very significant commitment for the United States to be, first of all, power sector carbon free by 2035. By 2035 to only be producing electric vehicles in the United States, which General Motors and Ford and others 
manufacturing had bought into. And they're now spending hundreds of millions of dollars to retool their plants in order to uh, produce those vehicles. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, here's going on and on. Yeah, there's two things to say, right? The first thing he said was like, hey, we don't, you know, false narrative about needing oil and gas and yada, yada, yada. You know, there's got to be a 50 50. He's going to be the first senior guy fired in this administration. Uh, I mean, he's just totally off message on this stuff. Completely off message. He is off message. He's just saying that he's just saying he's just saying that what they're actually doing. That's what makes him off message. He's supposed to be like Senator, like uh, Secretary Granholm, like, yeah, EVs, but you know, we really care about gas too. So (laughs) uh, the false narrative that we need to drill more for our for fossil fuels. Honestly, he's a terrible person. I don't think he cares about anybody. I mean, it, it, Vietnam must have really changed him in some important way. Okay. Um, another number. 30. Number 30. Not a percent, just 30. Uh, the age I wish I was. The number of games over 500 oh. that the New York Yankees are. Aren't they 31? Didn't 30. They, didn't they win last night? 47 and 16? I think. Forty-six and sixteen. Is it thirty-one? Sorry. 31. No, 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 no. I don't. I, I'm like that's like that's not a legit question. I, I, all I know is the sixteen losses that I got pegged in my head. Yeah. Because thirteen straight at home. At home, uh, they're shattering all kinds of of don't get cocky. Records. I'm not getting cocky. The Red Sox but are I did, out there. I did enjoy this piece from the Wall Street Journal on June thirteenth, from Jared Diamond, headline: "Bad News, America: The Yankees Are Great Again." <laughs> Jared Diamond? Jared Diamond, yeah. So the the article goes into talking about how they've largely done they largely did nothing in the offseason which we kind of complained about, right? So they did uh, it's not that's not fair. They they took care of two big problems, right? They got a they better got, they got rid of somebody which we were happy Right. They they, they improved at the catcher position yeah. really defensive ca- catcher. Both position. offensively too. You think about Trevino, right? And, and they, now Higgy is starting to hit, right? And nice. they and they um, dramatically improved in the infield too, right? The the new shortstop makes that infield just a lot better. And Donaldson's better. doing he's fine for an old man. He's doing pretty good. He's doing there. fine, and, and you know Marwin Gonzalez it, gives everybody it, some. And Glaber is yeah. much improved because now he's at second. Yeah, so he's not yeah, thinking I about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so but the, the real story is Nasty Nestor. Yeah. By the way, a guy who. Who it wasn't even on the wasn't even Pennsylvania's number five starter at the start <laughs> of spring training. Nestor Cortez, man, he, he, he's kind of the spirit of the team too. You can tell he's just got an attitude, and but not a, he's not angry. He's just fun, but he's like, I'm not letting these guys beat me. Here's a here's a strike. Hit it if you can. I like yeah. it. It's it's been fun. I have to admit, it has been fun. It's been a great, great, great sixty games. I worry about the Red Sox. Of course you should, and if the Playoffs started this week, today, if the season ended today, the Yankees would win the division, but the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox would all make the wild card. That's how uh, how skewed yeah, I the, think that's the why AL East is this year. I think that's why it's important to beat these guys. You know, the next, between now and July 4th, the next 15 games, the Yankees play Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Houston. 
Yeah. Right. We have a bad, bad stretch in here for the next 15, 16 yeah. games. It's it's gonna we're yeah. gonna get to we're gonna lose a few of those. We're gonna get to July fourth and know a lot more about this yeah. team, right? All right. Another number fourteen. No fourteen. Cl- fourteen. The number of games the Giants are going to no. win this year. The number of times that the FERC commissioner, oh, Richard Glick, oh. met with the White House Deputy Climate Czar, Ali Zaidi, from September 21st of last year until April 15th of this year. Yeah. Uh, why does anybody care about that? Oh. Let me explain it. <laughs> it's a... So... Uh, it seems like a lot. Yeah, it does. So, C- Commissioner for Commissioner Glick, of course, uh, shortly. Uh, and by the way, those meetings started around the same time that the FERC secured a de- Democrat majority. Sure. Um, issued statements. We've talked about this. Uh, that would have made it pract- the practical effect of which would be to prevent the permit or construction of any new natural gas pipelines in this country. In February of la- of this year. Uh, was roundly criticized for it and then hauled up to the Senate uh, for a hearing on March 3rd, but yeah. where Senator Cassidy from Louisiana asked him point blank if anyone of the higher-ups in the administration or anyone from the White House yeah. was pulling the strings on this pipeline stuff, and he said unconditionally no Yeah. in the hearing. Yeah. This was a result of an IR FOIA request that we got these calendar media, uh, calendar uh, uh, information. Much of it was redacted, which we're going to file for an appeal on. But this 2014 visits is pretty, pretty significant for, for an independent commission. It's a lot. Let me just say right now, I like Rich. I like Commissioner Glick quite a bit and I have for a while. Um, Here's the problem. The two votes he needs are Senator Murkowski and Senator Manchin. And both for background here, by the way, uh, his nomination, uh, his um, tenure is expiring at the end of expires already at June 30, the end of this month. President Biden has announced his intention to renominate. Right. Commissioner Glick, who will have to get 51 votes in the Senate in order to be renominated. Yeah. Right. Um, Sorry. No, no, that's fine. It's you know, it's important to know that not everybody is fully marinated in right, the fur right, uh, right. world. Yeah. Um, Senator Manchin and Senator Murkowski are the two critical votes he has to have. Right, and both of those senators place a very, very high premium on um, honesty in front of the committee. Um, that would have been a moment. Senator Cassidy's question would have been a moment to say, uh, you know, I've met with um, White House staff, but these decisions were my own. Yeah. And that's no doubt where we're going to come. That's where the messaging is going to move on this thing. Right. But at this point now, it looks like a not totally truthful answer. So, well, and quite honestly, we have been, uh, requesting information through FOIA uh, of any correspondence between the White House and, and FERC. Uh, we've asked for any correspondence between FERC and, say, 
NRDC or yeah, you folks get... in the Sustainable FERC project. We have gotten Nothing. zero records to date. Uh, we've been issued extension letters. And quite honestly, this is going to come to a head. And the timing isn't great for, for Commissioner Glick because the longer he stonewalls us, yeah, the that's... harder it is for me to, to see how it, it doesn't appear as if Yes. Maybe they have something to hide. Yes, you're not. And, and you know, the so, thing, thing about it is it would be one thing if it was the Department of Defense, which is famous for, like, stiff-arming FOIAs. Right, right. FERC has a long history of being very good about about responsiveness, thoroughness, all that other stuff. So let me give you an example of how bad it is. We simply asked them for a list of all the FOIA requests that they, they've gotten. Yeah. From the time we issued our first, because from, we wanted to see if they were just really swamped. Yeah, from elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. From, they from elsewhere. Even pro- all they've had to do was provide us with a list. Just give, just give they us. They have given us the extension letter for that request as well, saying that they need to do additional yeah. due diligence and whatnot. It's really not. The, the optics are not good here. And this is just starting to percolate. Uh, Wall Street Journal uh, picked up on it. E&E News just picked up on it. Uh, but this isn't this isn't going to be the end of this story. No, I don't opinion. think so either. I don't think so either. And I, and I think, like I said, I think that 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 Senator Cassidy question is going to keep popping back up and back up and back up. It, it's unfortunate. All right, um, thirty-three. Another thirty-three. Thirty-three percent. Thirty-three. That's the number on the back of Rolling Rock bottles. Would you just get here in this country? Latest Quinnipiac poll found the president's approval rating has fallen to 33%. And the poll also found that President Biden's handling of the economy and inflation are still top concerns for every American. Kel just mentioned inflation prices, and now new data shows you are spending an extra $460 a month right now. Yeah, that was. That should have been the number that I put up. Yeah, I I would have known that because that was a great bit of information. I forget who put it together. but he was right ready with it on the when the inflation inflation print came out. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, that means the average family's going to spend four hundred sixty dollars more." He, he he put a basket of goods That's together. That's a lot of dough. It's the precision. That's a lot of dough. Of course it is, and it's the precision of it that makes it so great, right? And, and you know, I've been I'm pretty pretty good. I I'm fortunate enough to be able to pay off my credit cards uh, every month, and I'm usually pretty darn good at it. But I'm falling a little bit behind on it really and maybe you should as we mentioned int- interest rates i know i should should buy, buy like, no you should buy portuguese fancy cheese and portuguese fancy. cheese yeah. i know i know, I know, I know easy <laughs> but but my point is going back to last week consumer debt is skyrocketing right at a time when yeah it's bad they just the fed just did a record inflation raise 0.75 yeah. 0.75 yeah, yeah. Uh, we're 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 and and now that they're doing several more you know, we're, right. we're heading towards an economically necessary but really damaging recession. Uh, Are we done with numbers? We have more. Uh, we're done with numbers. Okay, I've got one here. <laughs> Washington Post reporter laments the energy crisis and high gas prices aren't spurring a green revolution like it was supposed to. <laughs> oh, this is the Evan. Uh, Evan Halper wrote yeah. a piece saying the. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where did he get the idea that that's what it was supposed to do. 
Yeah, as high prices move consumers to rethink their attachment to oil and gas, America is struggling to meet the moment, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quote. The U.S. is struggling to squeeze opportunity out of an energy crisis that should have been a catalyst for cleaner, domestically produced power. Should have been? Who is this guy? <laughs> Did did somebody point out his beef was not with us? After decades of putting the climate on the back burner, the country is finding itself unprepared to seize the moment at at risk of emerging from the crisis even more reliant on fossil fuels. Uh, Yeah. Because... Because they're the ones that work. These challenges are further compounded by plans to build costly new infrastructure for drilling and exporting natural gas that will make it even harder to trans- transition away from fossil fuel. Well, not if not if Special <laughs> Envoy Kerry has his way, right? He, this guy is this guy this, this is, is, is this guy uh, Kerry stenographer. Yeah, this is just so good, guys. The Washington Post. Uh, uh, we'll put, put it in the show. show notes. Yeah, read it all. Wow. This is exactly what like the the original headline was. Um, why the for, like the American people won't do what I green, want them to do? Like, why the green transition didn't happen? It didn't isn't happen. Like it was basically like the forced crisis. Like by forcing this, it didn't do what it was I, supposed I, to. I, I so he should be more upset with the Europeans. They're the ones who are like doubling down on natural gas, yeah. not and, me. And our good friend uh, Heather Zeichel is is quoted in here too. Uh, Okay. There is literally nothing pushing the U- this forward in the U.S. beyond the tax code and some state laws. Pushing what forward? Oh, the, the transition green. to clean energy. Can I? Can I? There's there's one thing. Can I make one real quick observation about this? Sure. Special Envoy Kerry, Secretary Kerry, Senator Kerry, whatever whatever title he, he wants to use. Special K. Um, in his remarks that we that we played, right? He said, well, you know, the president has committed the United States yeah. to. And the, net, the industry has complied. Net zero. Right? I'm like, hey, guys, I know he's probably talking to some Europeans. Presidents can't commit the United States to anything without a vote of Congress. That's just the way the world is, right? Unless it's a nuclear war, in which case you can say, yeah, go ahead and launch them. Then we're committed. Um, it, 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 these people are shocked. I don't know why they're shocked. Nobody agreed to any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. The one per the one group that is consistently left out of the conversation. Yeah, so the voters are consumers, voters, yeah. families, like yeah. people with kids trying to drive them around yeah. from place to place and everything else. And then, right? Isn't that, isn't that what isn't that what old Evans worried about? Yeah, all these people yeah. they don't see the genius of my ideas. Yeah. Yes, they don't. Uh, here's another little tidbit in here. Uh, <laughs> by the way, this is up, but only four percent of cars sold in the U.S. last year were electric. Is it that high? The sticker price of a new vehicle is ten thousand more, which is a low estimate than a gas-powered comparable model. And then uh, the administration unveiled a plan to install hundreds of thousands of new charging stations to help accelerate the transition. But even more crucial right now are the seventy-five hundred federal credit tax credits that make cars affordable for computers for for consumers. They have expired for several models. And then, that's just some sloppy reporting right there. He should just say they've expired for GM and, and Tesla. Yeah. The the executive director of our good friends at the Zero Emission Transmission Association said Zeta. the goal is clear to flood the market with millions of electric cars a year. 
and to make them in the U.S. To that end, the group is aggressively lobbying Congress to extend the tax credits. How do you flood the market if nobody wants to buy them? Yeah. What the hell are these people yeah. talking about? They're like, you're just going to make them and like leave them on the totally sidewalk and hope people drive them away? They're it's just awesome. Completely, They're the totally best. They are the best. Ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, uh, I, I, we can't spell it out for you anymore. The Democrats are, th- this is what they wanted for you. And they're, I, I don't know. I think they're going to get slaughtered. November's coming. I just have this increasingly strong feeling that they're not going to be able to withstand. You don't mind if we actually like the headwinds. I know we gotta wait till then. You, you don't right? mind I if we actually part, wait. But All right, you, you, it's it's brewing. Okay, I'm you, done for the day. I got three things I want to talk right. about real quick. First off, is the generic ballot. Since you brought it up, I'll start with the generic ballot. Generic ballot. Guess what, gang? Still shows close. Still pretty close, right? Still close, right? Yeah. So, if I were if, at the moment, I'm not saying there's not a wave. What I'm saying is, is that you should probably be thinking more along the lines of 25 or 30 House seats, not 60. Now, that might change in the next month or three, but right now, that's what we're looking at. Um, oddly enough, I think the Senate's probably getting more likely to flip. Um, that's thing one. Thing two is there were um, two things that were related, but I'm not exactly sure how yet. Um in the last week. First off, the president, in attacking the refiners, started his comments by saying, in a time of war... Yeah, who's it, war? Are, are we in war? I, I'm... Because Steady Hoyer said that, too, when he they, pushed oh, through the they, $40 right, billion exactly. dollars to, to Ukraine. That rhetoric is getting yeah. used more routinely yeah. now, and yeah. it concerns me greatly. We yeah. are not at war. We are at war with no one. Ukraine's at war with Russia. So that's thing one, right? Be be wary. Everyone should be wary of whenever um, whenever the rhetoric starts off. Hey, in a time of war, we're not at war. The second thing is a good friend of mine um, resisted uh, my May note in which I said, hey, eventually we're going to have to have some kind of a um, settlement. We're going to have to resolve this Ukraine-Russia thing in, in, a, in a settled fashion, right? Because it's unlikely the Russians are going to be able to swallow Ukraine whole, and it's not happening that Ukraine's going to swallow the Ru- Russians whole, right? So that means only one thing. You're going to have to have peace, and uh, the team Biden doesn't seem to be capable of that. I mention it because most people in the United States, not mo- yeah, I think most people in the United States who are, who are watching this are like, yeah, Ukraine, 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 and are incapable or unwilling or both of thinking about how does this story end? This is an important point. It cannot end with, it can end um, with the Russians losing. But if it ends with the Russians losing, Mr. Putin probably thinks that that's going to cost him his life and his wife and his girlfriend and their children, um, which gives him an enormous amount of incentive to make sure he doesn't lose. And up, also to be in slightly insane. Up to and including using nuclear weapons. Right. Yes. So you might want to think about what you're going to do with a guy before you corner him. Um, that's thing one. Thing two, the other ha- thing that happened was we had a – related, right? We had a fire in the a Freeport LNG facility, right? An, un- an unremarkable event happens all the time in industrial America. Yep. Um, Freeport's going to be out for a while. 
Um, the company says 90 days. I'll take them at their word. I think it's probably going to be a little longer than that just because the federal government's involved. And anytime the federal government gets involved with something like this, it's going to take a while. Um, I mention it only because it shows the tenuousness of the European yeah. strategy of diversifying away from the of Russians. Course. It's going to mean, I think, um, it's going to give some added impetus to the Europeans to drive the Ukraine, the Ukrainians towards some kind of peace because they need Russian gas. They just do. And their storage numbers have been great. But you know what? You have no idea what kind of winter it's going to be. Could be soft. Could be really harsh. You don't want to be wrong on that call. And there's no downside if you're a German to try to get the Ukrainians to just give the Russians some territory and let's call this thing a draw. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, the other thing it points out is is that when you do when you have a policy or when your agenda, if you combine the the, the green left with the financial dudes and the Democratic Party, when you have an agenda of Mr. Uh, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Washington Post reporter's grand vision, yeah, and they've been at it for a while. I mean, we've spent trillions of dollars. If you're not uh, if, trying to force renewables into the system, and oh, by the way, uh, they're still yeah. just a blip if on the rad- radar in terms of their their, if you're their productivity. Else, if you're relying on somebody else for your energy, yeah, you're at risk. You you you're at risk. There's no simple way to no simpler way to put that. You are at risk, and you know the Americans don't have to be. Don't have to be. Germans, they don't have to be either, but they are choosing to be. And some like what happened at Freeport, which, like I said, accident happens, you know, puts everybody at risk. All You know, even the best intentions can get sideways, right? Physics are physics. Accidents happen. Anyway, that's my big thought for the day. Physics are physics. Accidents (laughs) happen. And Edward Scissorhands (laughs) has Scissorhands. (laughs) <laughs> Johnny Depp convinced the world that he has scissors for hands. I... <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna close because we're nerds. I'm gonna close with a um, uh, a, a little point counterpoint. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. Inflation is made in Washington because only Washington can create money. And any other attribution of, to other groups of inflation is wrong. Consumers don't produce it. Producers don't produce it. The trade unions don't produce it. Foreign sheiks don't produce it. Oil imports don't produce it. What produces it is too much government spending and too much government creation of money and nothing else. Oh, Uncle Milty. <laughs> Namaste, Uncle Milty. Laying it down. That's a wrap. Peace.